I'm Andrew Rice. I'm Luke Summerhays. I'm James J. Miles. I'm Mus. And you're listening to Monster Mash. And on this week's episode, we are hunting Baroff. Baroth usually remain beneath the mud, perhaps to shield themselves from heat. They are even known to attack by flinging mud. They will charge in a frenzy at anything that disturbs their bogs. Their bogs? A bog. Bogs. <laughs> bogs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> their toilets. Yeah. What are you doing in my bog? Desolate wasteland. Perfect for light-hearted hunts. But do not let your guard down. Don't pull any stunts. For the mud hides secrets, and none of them are good. Where once was sand and water, a monster is now found. So, we didn't do a bar off, we didn't do any cast really on the, on the, uh, sort of old monsters coming back in world. But, uh, bar off felt a bit more... We did do, like, the Returning Monsters episode, so Baroth would have got a few minutes in there. Right, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's not real, is it? That's just, no. you know, cheeky few words that we threw away, like, you know. Yesterday's nothing. jam. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday's jam, but I, I decided against it. But yeah, I don't really like quoting the IT card anymore, even though I did find it very funny. It is tough, isn't it? Yes, that is mm. a tough one to reconcile with. See, I find it easier with Father Ted, because Father Ted doesn't have a whole episode about transphobia. That's mm. true. But yeah, the uh, the Baroff, I think, since it's coming to you know the, the, this generation of Monster Hunter games, World and Rise, it feels a lot more like it. It seems like it interacts with the environment a bit more than it used to. Beyond like in the older games, all it really seemed to do was maybe find its mud pool and do a little roll. But now, you, of course, you have like things you can smash it into and things that will collapse and break and that feels a lot more involved in the Baroff fight than than it used to in that sense. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It was definitely a lot of fun to, to be smashing him into objects, right? Like on that hunt I got to um, smash it into the uh, like the, the, the post that was just sort of sticking out mm-hmm. on the ground. So yeah, it's, it, considering he is a big chargey fool, it, it is a particularly satisfying one to ram into things. Well, I mean, I, that might be a symptom of the fact that we first met him in Generations, Jay, where all the monsters, it was a best of, right? Mm-hmm. So the monsters were just thrown in there. Because I think in the past, Jas and Andy, you've talked about in... Back in three, there was like a specific wall that he would smash through and stuff. Um, yeah, in the ice area, there is a wall. I, 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 maybe I'm not sure if it's just Baroth or if it's I, Jade. I Baroth, actually remember this yeah, from the OG um, Baroth episode. It's Jade Baroth because you guys made this. You made this. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that yeah, was. Yeah, you made this point before and also got confused whether it was regular or Jade, and it is Jade Baroth. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in the ice area, so it makes sense to be a little Jady boy. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I mean certainly. It has smashed before, and will smash again. That's that's how Baroffs work. Because in generations, even its mud pool, it like 
I remember in one of the levels, they just, if Baroth was in the level, part of the water arbitrarily got transformed into mud yeah, just for that Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, they were like, oh, right, okay, Baroth's here, better fill up the mud pool, here he comes, oh, God. <laughs> um, Whereas in, in Rise, it's, I mean, I think in Rise it is just shallow water, but obviously there's mud at the bottom of it. Yeah. So it works well. And then in Weld, they gave him his own little swamp to play in. That's right, yeah. Um, one thing I will say is that I do think I do think Baroff compared to World I, I, I think he's not as int- interested in fighting Rise as he is in World because in World he, he obviously mentioned his own little unique kind of swamp area um, that him and kind of Gerathodos would would uh, but in World Gerathodos and Baroff kind of came as a package yeah you would if you fought if you fought one you'd pretty much always meet the other you were always going to get that turf war but then you're so much so that when Iceborne came along they basically copy pasted those two monsters for the first two monsters of that yes right? that's right Bambaro and um, Beatles yeah um, yeah but you you also have that big spectacle moment if you're lucky enough to get it where you can kind of lure Baroff um, on top of that that um, like sinking sand kind of whirlpool and. You know, have right. Diablos erupt out of the ground and like totally fuck up Baroth, um, which was but that was a big trailer moment, like a real spectacle, you know. But that was World's whole thing, right? Was the interaction between the monsters and the world. Rise has less of that, but I think in terms of just one-on-one fighting the Baroth, I think he's probably better in Rise. He does his charge a lot, and he can really knock you out if you don't dodge it in time. Yeah, I mean, I certainly haven't noticed much major differences in the fight itself, really. I mean, I don't know. Also, I mean, even the areas and stuff, maybe it's just because, to me, that is the Baroth's area, right? Because, you know, it is still back in the Sandy Plains from 3 where I was first meeting him, so I'm kind of used to it. It still feels very Barothy to me. So, yes, the mud isn't quite as interactive as sort of the mud got in World, but I don't know. It still feels very at home there to me. Yeah, I, I think. And they. That's maybe the issue there for me is that, you know, I, I don't really have any fond memory, so to speak, of the Baroth I've been turning up in, in, yeah, in Gen. Whereas the Baroth, to me, I fully associate it with um, Wildspire Wastes from World, you know. That's Baroth's area to me, um, co- complete with all the different monster interactions it comes with, which I think, I, I feel I feel the, the, the reduced monster interactions... That, that Rise has more so with Baroff than any other monster I've spoken about so far. Because um, I do think... He, I don't know. I've never been a super big Baroff fan and I did feel the interactions jazzed him up enough to make him like a really Ooh, fun fight for me. Controversial. That is controversial because I so, think everyone else here really digs the well, Baroff. Well, let me, let me tell you because obviously my introduction to him was actually Monster Hunter World and I do believe that the Wild Spire Waste is probably my favourite area in World and a large part of that does come from the interaction between Baroth and Geratidos and and, and just Baroth and, and so many other monsters as well to be honest like it's a very it's very easy to get those huge turf wars and see things going on and Wild Spire Waste as, an, as a map is a pretty easy one to navigate it's probably the closest map that World has to a regular Monster Hunter map I think from memory yeah it's a bit more flat so certainly there is yeah so certainly there is a lot of um a lot of the appeal from baroff in in that game does come from that but i actually i I take luke's side on this in the in the sense that in rise 
the one-on-one fight feels better to me. Um, you make particular reference to that whistling charge attack that he does. And I think, honestly, that is... Okay, my, my, my heart doesn't say this, right? but my head does. And my head says that Baroth is the best designed monster in Monster Hunter. Oh, firm disagree. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> firm, firm disagree. Absolutely laying it down on the line there. <laughs> He's a great monster, but I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, but he is brilliant as a as a gatekeeper, and I think this is something that obviously Andy talked about earlier with 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 JD Baroth, which isn't something I've had to face. But as a new player in Monster Hunter World, he is a decent uh, gatekeeper for like the first sort of real monsters that you'll get to see and fight beyond the you know rubbish uh, Jagras and uh, and all of that kind of class of uh, of monster. But he's we talk about this a lot in terms of like the things that the designers of Monster Hunter do to make monsters seem believable, like the way that they move or the moves that they have, uh, the way that they behave. I think Baros, you know, I was actually watching uh, Walking with Dinosaurs recently, <laughs> and there's there's this episode that follows um, a load of um, baby brachiosauruses. And uh, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they interact with like this stegosaurus and the stegosaurus senses that there's a predator nearby. So it kind of, it has kind of two brain states, basically. It's either eating something or it's pumping blood into its, into its fins to kind of defend itself or look threatening to any predators. Baroff feels exactly like that small brain stegosaurus <laughs> because he's got like two behaviors. He's either having a little, having a little bit of fun time down in the old swamp <laughs> or he's running at you. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's totally believable as well because like he smashes his head into everything so he's got to have a tiny brain with a lot of padding <laughs> like a like a woodpecker would or something like that but like in terms of the um audio design of the monster i think it's brilliant and i think it works so well with what the monster does as a whole because he obviously covers himself in mud and gives him that little defensive edge and stuff but you can imagine this kind of stupid monster who over time gets progressively hotter and hotter because he's now covered in mud. So what was cool at the start is now insulating him to the point where he's getting hot. And he just vents that kind of angry locomotive steam whistle noise at you. And you know he is coming headfirst towards you. Like that's such a great audio cue that even if you can't see the Baroth, you know you've got to make, or eventually you learn because it hits so hard, that you've got to make a lateral movement, and it's the first monster that really cues uh, clues you into like how important the audio design is alongside the visual design of what all these monsters are doing. Mm. I think that you fight, and um, I actually was I was watching my girlfriend play some Monster Hunter, and one of the things she's quite bad at in all action games is managing the camera control in like any 3D game. She's just rubbish at tracking with the with the right analog stick, and she doesn't really use the auto. Uh, the lock-on thing but with Baroff because of that strong audio cue like it will still hit hard <clears throat> but she's got a chance to kind of dodge it and you start learning okay also this is where the hunter is going to start saying stuff like it's up to something so you start kind of I don't know it really teaches you well I think like in terms of being a, a teacher <laughs> it's such a brilliant monster I think and it, it it all ties in well with like in my head yeah, he's the stupid fellow that just wants to hit you with his massive cranium. 
and he's angry and he gets hot and he covers himself in mud and then he's angry that he's covered in mud and he wants to hit you again because he's now not covered in cool mud he's covered in bloody hot mud because you've pissed him off i i don't know i just think he's i think he's great and i think he's got what that tail break as well which is not easy to do so there's a little bit of challenge to him he's got the tail break and then you could also break a little bit off his crown on his head as Mm -hmm. well i don't know if that's still in the game do you know that it is but you can basically only do it with hammer Right, yeah, okay, that'll be why. I think a big part of maybe why I have... I, I'm not being as fond of the Baroff, certainly, the, the fight aspect, is because in the last two Monster Hunter games, my, my, one of my main weapons has been well, a, a big blunt weapon. Um, like either the hammer in World or I've been using Hunting Horn in Rise. And I'm just having a little look at the, kind of, the damage numbers here in the Hunter's Notes. The the head you don't really get a lot of damage on the head as you'd expect if it you know being big and armored and you know blunt weapons are going to want to attack the head to get the stuns off so you don't get that maybe sort of same sort of tactile feedback of seeing big numbers and the big kind of damage slashes that you get with uh, you know strong affinity attacks and things like that that you do if you're maybe a blade master or a gunner attacking the body which is where you want to be aiming for. So it feels a little bit counterproductive, not counterproductive, but like counterintuitive from what you'd normally do with with a blunt weapon. You would normally go for the head, whereas damage numbers would suggest that you should really be going for the the body um, with the barrel with pretty much every weapon. So yeah, I think that's maybe a bit of you mm-hmm. know, that, that, there's not really that same satisfaction feeling that I get. But I can you know I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of like the audio cues. I do think that's a it's a big aspect of a lot of monsters, but certainly Baroff does it quite clearly, um, which I think you need to do at this stage of the games. You know, make it very, very abundant and clear that here comes the big attack and here's a nice audio cue for you to dodge it. So, yeah. I think, if I'm remembering rightly, he was like the number one early game wall back when he was introduced as well like jazz said he almost bounced off him because he was using too difficult a weapon i think andy had him was a bit of a wall as well so yeah absolutely yeah he's he's always been that gatekeeper absolutely like going back to master's point like yeah ever since try he's always been the the one that is the real step up and time to get real whereas i guess for me and jay being basically the fourth generations when we got into it (laughs) is like the one generation where he wasn't that so we haven't quite had the same experience of learning through Baroth. We fought him really late in Generations, and then by the time we fought him in World and Rise, we could handle him pretty easily. Yeah. I think he's a great design. I've just never had any... I haven't had very many memorable encounters with him in terms of fighting him. Uh, that's an interesting point about Gatekeepers, because I think to Tetsukabra, and Tetsukabra was probably around the same point you would encounter Baroth, I would imagine, and try... Uh, in generations, if I remember rightly, and I've got a lot of time for that big froggy boy. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, mm. I, mm. You yeah, know, that makes so sense. I, I do think you, you maybe form a bit, of, you form a bit of attachment to um, your kind of first gatekeeper monster, probably because you spend a good bit of time fighting him and getting to know him and learn his attacks. So yeah, yeah, because players from way back in the day are big fans of Young Kaku for the same reason. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, Gaijin Hunter always calls him Kaku-sensei. 
When you say uh, when you say you're a big fan of his design, Luke, are you meaning uh, aesthetically as much as you were like moveset or? Well, I, I think in in Monster Hunter, the best monsters are the ones that have both, right? Right. Yeah. So he's very believable as a dinosaur that would behave in this way. Yeah, because one he's of the interesting big... things about him, I was trying to think hypothetically, if I was to describe Baroff to like an artist or or anyone and go draw me a picture of what I'm describing you. I don't, you, you sort of think his defining features are his big rocky head and the fact that he's such a craggy, you know, monster. But you're just saying, if you were actually to sort of describe it to someone, they probably wouldn't conceive something that is as remotely believable as what Baroth actually is in this game, in the way mm. that it moves and stuff. Like, they, they've, they've, they've found a really good balance, I think, between making him look well art <laughs> and also making it look like he wouldn't, you know, he, he actually can stand up, right? He can actually move. <laughs> he's not so heavy that he's an impossible physical construct. It's, I think it's good. But I think the big, um, the really smart piece of his design, which is unusual, is the crown on his head is kind of hollow. Mm. It's not like a big anvil. It's like a crescent shape so it it looks imposing but it also looks like it would be counterbalanced by his tail hmm. for, from where i'm sat i'm looking at two different figures of the barrel and they stand up just fine <laughs> <laughs> from two different um of those sets of blind boxes of monster hunter figures i've managed to get the barrel from two different collections nice yeah when i say stand up i mean in the sense that like if you're a kid and you're designing an animal you might put like loads of effort into it having like a really intimidating horn on its head and like a massive skull and like loads of armor, but you don't get, you don't do the legs right, so there's no way it's ever going to move. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think of the um, the fact that it does use mud and it has these kind of new tricks in its arsenal to to where you um, might want to use? The big old mud yeah, puddles; think... those are those are new to like to this generation, like World and Rise. Like I don't remember him gobbing out like the big kind of long-lasting piles of mud in the previous games. He would attack with mud, but it was more like a projectile attack, if I remember rightly. It's been a while since he used to shake it off and leave it around him. Yeah, he's definitely flicked it at people yeah. before. Like a dog that's come in from the rain, he doesn't yeah. shake and you get mud all around well, him. Big mud puppy, isn't he? That's, that's what he is. Mm. But I think the, the increased manoeuvrability of the player in Rise means I'm never actually that bothered by his mud anymore. Yeah. I can get around it or over it pretty easily. It's more of a problem in World, right? But now you've got like the wire bugs, yeah. you can just wish out of there, so yeah. Well, in World, you just make the Durotodus armor really early and then it doesn't bother you for as long as you're fighting him. True, until the defense no longer matches up to what you need, but yeah. Yeah, but then how much are you fighting Baroths at that point in the game? True. Constantly. It's all Baroths all the time. <laughs> Anything on the name or design that, you, that you've picked up there, Luke? Well, there's the... Famously, the design... Um, comes from the director seeing a bulldozer. Oh, wow. And the way a bulldozer, like, plows forwards was what inspired the monster. Then flicks its mud everywhere, just like a bulldozer. Yep. The inspiration for Baroth came from observing the movement of bulldozers on a construction site. 
That totally makes sense, though, doesn't yeah, it? No, it's yeah. like such a single-minded, yeah. vertical, you know, north and south monster. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then the name Baroth just comes from the Spanish for mud. And the Japanese name is Boruboroso, which comes from the Greek word for mud. Yeah. So his name is just mud. <laughs> <laughs> My name's mud in a lot of places as well. Where it do you know, is this a monster who's easier or harder, do you reckon, to fight if its size is, like, particularly large or particularly small? Like, there are certain monsters where I think if they're massive, they're harder to I think to a shaped Baroth is large a bit harder to dodge. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But then, like, it would be so much so... easier to hit its tail, don't you think? If you're going for, like, a tail carve. No, because its tail would be further off the ground. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, it's not. I suppose it's not longer, it's just taller, isn't it? Yeah. Or yep. both. It's probably in proportion, isn't it? But yeah, if you so. just think of him as a big plough, then yeah, the wider he is, yeah, the more horizontal movement you've got to do to get out of the way. Mr. Plough. That name again? Mr. Plough. <laughs> <laughs> What's my name again? Mud. <laughs> This week, I am going to be the bigger man. A lesser soul would jump into this poem without a plan, and compare this monster not to a summer's day, but to something long and hard, you might say. I won't resort to such crass means though, but I will let this poem instead throb and grow, until it bulges out, and at long last, this week's poem will stand at full mast. Wondering where I'm going with this? Me too. Next week, I'll not be hunting a dick, but a kezu. So join us <laughs> for that one. Until... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you were, you were going to get either a... I was either going to just do the Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> verbatim, or you were getting a dick poem, so enjoy that. <laughs> um, until then, Luke, if, if, if you want more dick poems, where can they be found? We're on Twitter, at Monster Mash Pod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere where podcasts are a thing. Make sure you give us five stars and tell your friends about it and blah, blah, blah. You know, rate and review. I would like it if people listen to this. Um... But also, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. Currently, the Patreon is actually covering my expenses for this podcast, but I still want your money, so <laughs> you can give it to me if you want. <laughs> you, you should just lie. I like you were like, oh, I'm going to have to think of, like, you know, before I was like pleading to the audience, how am I going to, how am I going to pitch this? I just want your money. Give me your money. <laughs> Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, this is work, in a sense. Yeah, well, fair. <laughs> if people are enjoying it, I should be recompensed. Fair. Where have you seen a cut of this, eh? As... eh? <laughs> I mean, I've been asking that for weeks. Well, you've got your, so, you've got yeah, your song to do. You've got your work to do. I haven't had the money yet. <laughs> well, your percentage is based on how many words you speak on the podcast, Andy. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll say a lot more words. You should, you should have laid these terms out sooner. <laughs> Speaking of words um, that Andy will see, 
<laughs> what can they tweet at Andy Man <laughs> nine for nine months? Well, uh, you know, we had that episode not too long ago where Luke was like, you know, drop the ball, mate. <laughs> and uh, Andy's not a flat earther, but he did he did come to me with his his little bit of mysticism that he's been working on. He's actually he's actually really good at reading star signs now. So if you just tweet your star sign at him, it'll kind of it'll give you a reading about what's on the horizon for you. When did I do this? I don't know, Andy. You tell me. You haven't yet. Must saw it in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Virgo, Andy. Uh, what does that mean? Um, it means that uh, you will meet someone very important this month. <laughs> I am as well, and I didn't know your birthday was that close to mine. Well, you're like September 9th, right? Or starting then? I'm September 11th, mate. Oh, really? Oh, I swear it is. Yeah, you got the same, <laughs> same birthday as my granddad. That's right. Um, yeah. I remember that. Cool. Well, I'm September se- se- Secret reincarnation of your granddad. <laughs> but my granddad's alive, mate. <laughs> he split his soul in half then, didn't he? He's not Come fucking on. Lord Voldemort. <laughs> Look, I'm the mystic here. I get to decide. <laughs> Andy is the master of your grandfather's soul. <laughs> fucking Shang Tsung over here. <sighs> well, until then, catch us next time. Peace. See ya. Goodbye. I haven't had a Tango Ice Blast in bloody ages. I don't know if I ever had one. Oh, mate, you haven't lived. They were a big thing at the cinema, right? Yeah. Yeah, they used to be before the fucking cinema replaced it with some shitey American brand. Pretty sure the Odeon near me has them. But you haven't taken advantage of that. That's the weird thing. No. I bet you just had never been liquid didn't, didn't, drinks. Didn't fancy taking out a payday loan to get a, a drink. They're, they're, what, like six quid or something? Probably. It's not that bad. For a drink. Eight. If you were drinking them six times a day, then yeah, it'd be a problem. But on a special occasion yeah, and a trip. Yeah. Well, that's it, because it is literally a special treat. And it is the specialist special treat. Do you know how last week we determined Musk didn't shit himself? <laughs> yep. I was at the gym the other week. And I was crunching pretty hard. You did shit yourself? Well, let me preface this by saying that it's... We're coming towards summer here in Nagano and it gets really fucking hot. So, yeah, that doesn't sound like an excuse. I was, I've, I've been for and I've never shat myself, so... I, I farted... And then I just felt a splash of wetness against my mm. thigh. And I was like, oh god, I've shit myself in the gym. Oh no, it's just a sweaty ass, right? <laughs> yeah, I went to the toilet and checked. I just farted my own sweat against my leg. Oh. Yeah. I mean, does the gym have air conditioning would be my first question. It does, and but also not, I'm going hard, because, you know, gains. It's going hard and then there's... Uh, also, <laughs> dripping sweat out of your ass. <laughs> um, I think my gym, like everywhere in Japan, just refuses to turn the air conditioning on until it's officially the right season. 
my gym had the air conditioning on in winter, so that's like that's like some sort of if if you were a monster look that's like your special attack (laughs) like (laughs) that's what they would put in the hunter notes about you the grossest water type pokemon (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's bad enough that most of them are spitting at you but if they spit it out and then fart it towards you (laughs) shit and fart they they are water type pokemon Saliva type pokemon. So. <laughs> you one of these people who doesn't think the th- the sea is just a huge amount of saliva. <laughs> no, it's why no, it's you know if they say to you, oh no, there's plenty more fish in the sea. You're like, yeah, but why would I want to get a you know a partner from the sea? Full I'm of not into fish, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just answer it like that. No, I'm not into fish. What Someone wrong clearly hasn't seen uh, Shape of Water. He, he wasn't a very attractive fish man, I don't think. Yeah, but she, she still found a fish in the sea, didn't she? Oh yeah, she did. What is the but... deal with mermaids? What do they? What's the point in them? What do they do? <laughs> they just hey, sing save, a bit. Save it for the Somnicanth episode! <laughs> <laughs> well, I assume they don't choose whether or not they are mermaids as, as you have not chosen whether you are human or cat would you would you prefer they were f- fish head and human body I, I'd have Legs. a lot more time for I mean the breathing situation would be a lot more reasonable it would fair. it would and that's what I'm interested in but like <laughs> I just want to make sure that she's, she can breathe it would just be a... <laughs> just like to know she's comfortable <laughs> that's it it would just be a fish that's pointlessly worse at swimming. <laughs> yeah, fish with two human legs. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did exist, and they have died out. <laughs> that, yeah, they definitely is... did exist. <laughs> yeah, probably. That would have been early whales and dolphins, I guess. <laughs> they went back into the sea, didn't they? <laughs> in the immortal words of Stuart Lee, mm-hmm. get back in the sea, you finned cunt. No relevance to this whatsoever. <laughs> it? it surely comes up a lot when we're recording. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> quite often thinking about Stuart Lee. I don't think they've been recording. <laughs> we, yeah, we just quote him just all. Big time. fans. Yeah. When we're getting Stuart Lee on match. <laughs> I would fucking love to get Stuart Lee on a podcast. He'd, he'd like it because it's, it's got monsters in it, so he'd have to think quite a lot about whether or not it's a centaur. <laughs> I do genuinely want to get him on my other podcast to talk about Ang Lee's The Hulk. <laughs> What's because Lee? Or... No, because oh, he's a Andy. huge Hulk fan and did a whole stand-up bit about that film. Okay. Yes. Well, oh, I've, I've never seen any Stuart Lee. So. Is that the Eric Bana one? Yeah, it's the Eric Bana one. Like the one where Hulk doesn't turn up for like an ever. Yeah. Yeah. And looks like Shrek. Yeah, that too. 